0: no sales or more sales, learning should never stop. That's why you and I are here. Bringing you Limitless, a maverick podcast channel with perfectly blended sales and marketing tips. Tips from people who've been there and done that. Put on your headsets, earphones or AirPods, because we are going for a heck of a sales hack ride. Hey, all. Welcome to another episode of our Limitless podcast series. I'm Nisha, a product marketer at HIPPO Video and your podcast host. We have with us today, Ashley Zaxed. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Nisha. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's great to have you here and welcome to Limitless. So, Ashley is a senior account executive at Chili Piper. She is passionate about mentoring sales reps who are trying to make headway in sales and talks extensively about making prospecting better and closing more deals efficiently. To top it off, she's also a two-time Salesforce top sales influencer. Today, Ashley will be drawing on her experience as a successful sales executive to answer questions on the topic of fast tracking inbound conversions with improved engagement. Okay, so let's get on with our questions. Ashley, here's my first question for you. An inbound leads path is from MQL to SQL, and when it actually enters the sales pipeline, that path from MQL to SQL has been kind of hazy, always. It's also the part where there's maximum friction between sales and marketing because there's always this debate over what qualifies as XQL. Like marketing has a different set of metrics and sales has a different set of metrics. How can both teams work together to streamline this path? I love this question.
1: Um, I actually was in marketing before I okay. took my first sales role. So I like low-key have this goal to help eliminate the friction between sales and marketing teams um, because I experienced it uh, as a marketer. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is is gonna be pretty dependent on the company and what those metrics are and everything and what the definition of your ICP is. But there's, in my opinion, there's nothing better than a feedback loop. And so, you know, when you're just getting started maybe you're casting a wide net and, you know the marketing spend is kind of on very large audiences as you grow and as you gather data and learn and pay attention to what's converting what's not what's churning and what's not um, then you can start tweaking sort of where you're focusing your marketing efforts but you can't do that if you never talk to sales right Mm -hmm. so there has to be this feedback loop and i mean i love our marketing team here at chili piper and Are there some campaigns that bring in leads that maybe aren't the most like you know qualified Mm -hmm. probably but that's when instead of the the usual like frustration like these are crap leads it's like you know what this didn't we always have like when we start a new campaign or we run a new initiative There's always like open feedback, open communication around what worked and what didn't. Like how many of the leads that came through were actually good leads that we worked through to an opportunity, to a closed one, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So I think it really comes down to communication. Like instead of working in these silos, like instead of thinking marketing and sales, think revenue team, just everyone's driving revenue.
0: So do you think this conversation should happen before marketing starts a campaign or during or... I mean, obviously it happens after, but at what stage should this conversation happen? You know, I think me. that depends, you know,
1: like if if you've got months or years even worth of data around, you know, your customer acquisition and what that looks mm-hmm. like, and you can find that sweet spot of, you know, where who are our long-term customers, our happy customers, you know, obviously you okay. want to like, find lookalike audiences there there's nuance right because also you want to extend your tam you're going to experiment you're going to like blaze new trails into different markets maybe you're going up market Mm -hmm. maybe maybe you're expanding into different verticals um and so when it comes to that kind of stuff you may not be able to have a conversation ahead of time because Mm -hmm. you just don't have the data you just don't have the information um so you know again it, it just depends i know that's a not a great answer but it really does
0: it makes a lot of sense like when you're starting out like you need to start broad I guess in order to get a better idea of what works for you yeah okay yeah uh, that makes a lot of sense thank you for that and uh, yeah so here's my next question so what are some of the most common reasons for a lead slipping through the cracks after it enters the sales pipeline like I think this oh, is something gosh. Chili Piper deals with right so Yeah, yeah
1: well, we, we help people with this because the, the most common reason for leads slipping through the cracks is people not following up with them. It's mm-hmm. it's bananas. We've done we've done you know some studies around this, uh, as have many other people. Um, I think the majority of organizations are not getting back to their inbound leads faster okay. than like 24 to 48 hours, which is just bananas. Like, I mean. Andy Paul just posted about this, like the five minute rule. If you 78% of deals go to the vendor who responds first, if your competitors are taking 24 to 48 hours to respond and you can respond in under five minutes or better instantly and book, have that meeting booked as soon as they submit a high intent form, then you have a huge competitive edge. And that's where people are seeing like massive loss of revenue. And what I like to explain to people is, especially having come from marketing, marketing metrics mm-hmm. are way different. When you're looking at like conversion rates from an ad campaign and you're looking at like two, three, 5%, you're like, that's so good. You know, you're like, that's an amazing number. But when you're looking at your, especially with it, with regards to high intent forms, like request a requested demo form or a talk to sales form, people will assume that 20, 30, 40% conversion rates are great because that number is extremely high compared to like an, uh, you know, like ad metrics or even email open metrics, things like that. But our, like, I don't know, most of our customers are seeing closer to 60 or 70, 80% conversion rates off of those high intent demo forms. So if you Mm -hmm. could double your, even if it's, even if it's a more conservative estimate and you go from 30 to 50, I mean, you're You're going from seven out of ten people who want to talk to you, not mm. getting the opportunity to talk to you to now five out of ten people, you know, so, and then we get we get that up a little higher to sixty or seventy percent. Now we're talking about only three out of ten people aren't actually getting uh, a meeting. And usually, at least with Chili Piper, that's because maybe they're not qualified, right? Because we can right. Right, automate the qualification piece. So I think it comes down to time. I mean, people just not getting in touch with folks soon enough.
0: Okay. But that places an enormous strain on the sales team, right? Like immediately following up with um, potential leads. I mean, with limited resources, assuming sales team has limited resources. So how do they counter that?
1: So the, I mean, if they're being scheduled right away, then like, obviously Mm -hmm. we're not going to like double book right? You want to make sure you're respecting your reps calendars. There's also ways to like manage the like length of time either mm. beforehand or, or how far out people can book. Like, there's ways around that, right? And, and I would I would argue that it's actually more of a strain on a limited resource sales team to have to manually follow up and qualify leads to then right. go back and forth to try to schedule a meeting, like, I, I would say that would be more of a strain than if you allowed your prospects to book directly with your team and go from there, right? Like... Mm, yeah, you
0: know. yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> now that you put then, it that way, yeah, it does make sense. And then,
1: of course, this is like, we're talking high intent leads, right? For everything else that's like, lower intent they're just in your CRM that's where automated lead routing comes in so again we like mm-hmm. all of this stuff can be automated and it should be in my opinion because again like the strain comes from the manual work that a rep or an ops person has to do to find these leads dig them up out of your CRM route them to the right person and then go back and forth to hopefully book a meeting like there's there's no need for that anymore there's plenty of solutions out there that automate all of this
0: Okay, so something that every company does when a lead enters the sales pipeline is to send an automated email cadence, like even before, you know, they send a book, a meeting link or whatever. So how can those emails be personalized to improve engagement?
1: Oh, gosh. So so again, this is is going back to that traditional like SaaS experience of the prospect fills out a form, then they're directed to a thank you page that says, we'll be in touch shortly. And then they get an email that maybe they get it. It might go to their spam. You know, it might not get delivered at all.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. And it's it's generic. And then maybe if people are a little bit more sophisticated, it does include a booking link in that email, right? And they're able to to
0: mm-hmm.
1: go to a link and fill out another form, which is mm-hmm. silly because you you obviously already have their information. Um. To to book the meeting that they asked for originally when they filled out the initial form. So you can see how convoluted that is, right?
0: Very true. Um,
1: now that said. Like, if you're not wanting to go ahead and allow someone to book at the point of form submission, and you do want to maintain this sort of like email drip with booking links for them to, to book a meeting, that's mm-hmm. fine. I think, I think that's a tough one to personalize though. Like, because they're automated marketing emails, like the best thing you can do is. With the tokens you have and whatever marketing automation mm-hmm. solution you're using, so we're talking like first name, company name. You might be able to put in some custom tokens, something like that. But that makes it really hard. Which is like, so I don't know if you can imp- like personalize those more. Uh, maybe, maybe from the respect of like if you segment well mm. and you send emails specific, more specific to that, whether it be industry or vertical or company size or you know look geo like whatever if you if you have the capability of segmenting that way before you send these emails off then that may be a way you could do it but okay honestly just getting the meeting booked right away (laughs) would just be a better shot because then then the rep who's actually taking the meeting can send an actual personalized email that's not an automated marketing email
0: you know what I mean yeah yeah That. Definitely, yeah, that'll work better than sending a marketing sending an email. I guess like that's what usually happens after a lead signs up. Marketing emails go from marketing, so mm-hmm. yeah, better that sales takes it up. Okay, so let's say like thanks to Chili Pepper, you know the lead has taken a meeting with your SDR or AE. So what are some of the post meeting activities that sales reps can set up to keep the engagement going? Oh yeah, this is a great question.
1: Thank um. You. <clears throat> So, and this is something that I'm like actively working on, and so so are you know, folks on my team. Um, obviously, the follow-up email, right? Like yeah. we all know that that's a necessity. You you wrap up a demo. Um, ideally, you've gotten that follow-up meeting booked while on the call, um, and then you can send over a follow-up email, basically you know, recapping what you talked about, sharing any additional resources you might have referenced. Um, you know, anything that, that's relevant to keeping the conversation going. And then from there, it's all about adding value. And I know that's like kind of a nebulous statement, but our job is not to <laughs> like have our prospects feel like, oh yeah, like if, if they've bought in, that's great. You know, yeah. an ideal situation, but even still, it's not our job to then hope that they're going to go back to whomever they need to talk to in their organization and do the selling of chili Piper for us, or do the selling of, you know, whatever your product is for us. Like our job is to make sure that they look good, that they have all the necessary information. It's to collaborate with them Mm -hmm. so that when they have these internal conversations, they're, they look good. They are addressing the pain points and the issues and, and, there's an understanding of so how they need to sell internally and we're our job is to help them do that and so while the you know deal cycle is on whether it's uh, a week long or six months long
0: Mm -hmm.
1: there needs to be continuous interaction right like don't let too many don't let too too much time go by before you reach out to them but and also when you reach out it needs to be valuable relevant information
0: so there's always this danger of coming across as being too pushy right like when you follow mm -hmm. immediately or frequently
1: yeah absolutely I mean that's why it's imperative that you be relevant like I feel like Mm -hmm. a good example is um if if you know let's say you're working for in my case for example like if I'm working with somebody who is uh, newly implementing HubSpot, right? Or mm. maybe they're going through like a brand refresh and they're, they're redoing their website. I'm going to share with them things that are going to help them make the decisions that I know they're going to have to be making while they do that. So uh, recently I reached out to uh, a marketing person at one of my accounts because I knew they okay. were implementing HubSpot and I shared some, some like an article that helped that like I figured would help them make the decisions around what their forms should mm-hmm. uh what they should be asking on their forms right and I just sent our article thought this would be time I thought this was timely for you would be relevant hope you're having a great day no ask no pushiness yeah. about like are you going to sign your contract like it's, <laughs> it's just like let me help you I know you're working on these other projects like I can be a resource to you and I can help you so here you go and almost always I get positive responses of like, oh my God, yeah, this is super helpful. Thank you. And we haven't forgotten about you. We'll, we'll, we're talking to so-and-so next week, you know, then you get a little bit more information.
0: Yeah. Just be a human. I think is the big. Yeah. The it's about getting your customers to trust you right? Like, Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. here for a reason. And um, okay. So what's your take on using videos and email cadences? Do you think videos can get more responses than text emails? Have you used videos ever in your prospecting what has been your experience
1: i have and i do think they get higher response rates um i think it's a great way i mean we all uh consume like to consume things differently we all learn differently some people are keen on reading a three paragraph email and most most people aren't (laughs) you know and some people would rather watch a video i used to work for a video ad tech company and i think there was a Statistic around like people would much much rather watch like a three minute video than read a you know multiple paragraph landing page and and this was with regards to like marketing stuff but still I think mm. the the sentiment is probably translatable across sending prospecting emails that like folks are probably more keen on watching a quick sixty second video than reading whatever you've got plus you you have the opportunity then to also show versus tell mm-hmm. right so you can share yep. your screen and and show something that's super relevant to them in your video that you share that's less than 60 seconds and so they get to actually see what you're talking about as opposed to just reading it so i i think that's super helpful and i have used video in my email cadences i could probably do more of it <laughs> i mean yeah
0: yeah i mean you are a sales executive yourself so you can probably draw on that experience and make it better. <laughs> okay. Um, so some sales rep- try to upsell to the lead before they make a purchase decision. Like, you know, before they decide to buy your product, they just keep throwing in more features. Like we have this, we have that and all that. So do you think that's good practice? No, no. Like okay. I don't think feature selling
1: is a good practice in the first place. So right. I think there needs to be deep discovery and understanding of what your prospect needs before you start throwing the kitchen sink at them. You know, if it doesn't matter how many really cool features your solution has, if they don't need them, then they don't care and they're not going to buy them Um, or they shouldn't, you know. Um, So I think it really comes down to understanding where they're at, what the problem is that they have, how you can help them solve it, and if it were and if if everything that you offer would be of benefit to them, you know that. you can make that connection right away because you know your solution and you make these calls every day. For that prospect, they don't know that, and you're going to have to help them connect the dots as to like, okay, this is the problem that you have. Here's how this solution solves that. Here's a different problem, and here's how this other, feature or solution can help you solve that and and it needs to be done in like a high level way um okay. my manager said something to me yesterday he was like if you if you don't ask high level questions you won't get high level answers meaning Aww, you can't wow. you know like you can't right quotable put it on a t-shirt um you can't just ask like well how does this compare to what you're doing today I And mean, you can ask that but that's like a entry-level question instead you want to like recap the conversation that you've had talk about the pain you've uncovered okay you've told me x y and z now that you've seen this this and this how do you feel like this would make your day-to-day better right that's a much higher level question to ask than you know how's this gonna compare to what you've got going on today and so when you start doing that then you can start bringing in other like you have to understand what they need and that's when you can bring in the things that are going to help them meet those needs but until you know that you can't just start feature pitching them on everything you have and trying to upsell them before they before you mm-hmm. even know
0: what they need okay so Ashley, since we're on the topic of questions like what are some of the some of the questions that you know uh, an account executive on SDR has to ask their uh, prospects like while they're on call to get to know them better yeah. or to add value to the call
1: Great question. I think, so there's a ton of questions you can ask uh, in Discovery. I think one thing that, again, I'm working on this is, you know, starting with showing that you've done a little bit of work first
0: Mm.
1: before asking for, like, more information. So even if it's something like, I've noticed you've been there for, you know, X amount of time how long has this been a problem for you? So I could have very easily just, just asked, how long has this been a problem for you? Totally valid question. And Mm. they probably will answer it. However, if I preface it with just the simple, like, you know, you've been there for a year and a half that shows that it gives, gives me a boost in credibility shows that I did my research Mm. and I know, you know, or maybe it's not their tenure. Maybe it's like, all right, so you're the head of demand gen. You're probably responsible for blah 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 metric. You know, what are your what's like your number one goal this year to you know for whatever that is, right? Like, or you mm-hmm. could, there's a myriad of ways to do this, um, but things like understanding what their KPIs are or what their metrics are, how long this uncovered problem has been a problem, what they've tried to remedy it, like what they've tried so far to remedy it, what why that hasn't worked? If it if it hasn't, which if they're on a call with you, that pro- probably means that, that whatever they've tried hasn't worked. Um, and then understanding like what about right now makes it a, a good time for them to evaluate your solution.
0: Okay, right. So do your research and tie in your questions with the research you've done. That's your advice.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, because yeah, you can. Okay. There's like a billion and one questions you could ask, but. Make them high level questions, make so you get high level answers. So you get like not entry level,
0: Mm. you
1: know, cut short, succinct, like, you know, if you ask like what's your key metric, they're gonna be like converted leads. Next, (laughs) you know, they're not gonna like give you more. If you want, if you want depth in your answers, you need to provide a little bit of depth in your questions.
0: Okay, that was super insightful. Thank you for that. Yeah. Seriously. Okay. And um, so what are some metrics that, you know, every sales rep should track with respect to inbound leads? In what, like in what capacity are we talking here? Because let's say um, I know open rates or, um, I mean, if they're sending emails maybe or the frequency of calls or anything. Like, I mean, you're the experts. So. Yeah. Well, no, I mean,
1: so that to me, that's an outbound. Right. Like you're then we're talking about we're outbounding to someone. Um, but I guess if you're if you're imagining a scenario where your inbound leads, you have to outbound to because you're not getting them booked right away. Um, mm-hmm. Then, then yeah, I mean, I think paying attention to open rates, reply rates, how many touches it takes to get them to book the meeting, um, how many okay. folks are actually booking versus not you know versus like never converting Um, yeah I think that would start there
0: okay so I mean even within the sales cycle like you know there are stages right like okay how long do they take to get back to you after maybe evaluating or after POC is done Mm -hmm. like do you track any such metrics Mm,
1: yeah I mean that's one of one of the great things um, about our solution is we can see like how many conversations it took to get to the close um and of those conversations you know which ones how many times did they have to reschedule on you or how many times did you know did they no-show if that's a thing like keeping track of that and and again this comes down to under better understanding your customer base and who fits in sort of that sweet spot of like here's where typically it's this industry or this company size or this whatever that close quickly stay with us for years and years etc versus okay typically folks in this industry at this company size they if they buy they don't you know they churn right. more frequently than this segment so it's like you can start understanding that once you have this data and you are tracking these metrics of like and so that i think is important when you're outbounding i tell sdrs this all the time like Mm -hmm. should you should have a really good understanding of like what our like it's it's deeper than just your ideal customer profile because somebody could absolutely fall into your icp Mm -hmm. but just historically be not a great long-lasting customer based on x y or z pieces of information so it's yeah again it's a little deeper than just like well what's my
0: persona and what's my target market mm-hmm. right? okay good stuff and um okay so this is my last question to you what are some mm-hmm. books and podcasts that you recommend every salesperson should read or listen to or that you read or listen to oh my gosh um i'm a big fan of podcasts for
1: for this kind of stuff okay i have read a I, I love reading um, as well, mm. but I feel like I get tend to get more value out of listening to podcasts. Um, so some of my favorites are uh, Surf and Sales with Scott Leeson and Richard Harris, uh, 30 Minutes to President's Club, Live Better, Sell Better with Kevin Dorsey. There's a ton. I mean, there's so many. Uh, I forgot what Andy Paul's, I think it's something, Enablement. Maybe it's just called Sales Enablement. Anyway, with Andy Paul, he's great. He also just wrote a book. Um, okay. yeah and then as far as books go I mean there's the the classics of like never split the difference with Chris Boss or by Chris Boss, um, addiction selling by Scott Lease uh, the transparency sale for anyone who's at all remotely interested in like sales leadership or sales coaching mm-hmm. um, the five secrets of a sales coach by Corey Bray like that was such a fascinating read like even if you're not a sale in the sales leadership role, it's like really cool to potentially put together a framework for yourself to take to your manager of like how you would like to be coached. Um, so things like that are super helpful. Yeah. I have a ton. If, if you, if your listeners want to follow me on LinkedIn, we can nerd out about all kinds of books and podcasts and educational like things. And sure. Initially.
0: I mean, yeah. this will be one of our talking points when we publish your podcast on social media. So Yeah, I'll make sure to mention that. Okay. So, all right, Ashley, I think we've reached the end of our session. So, thank you for your wonderful insights. I really enjoyed speaking with you. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in today. We'll be doing many more of these podcasts with more such stellar sales leaders from around the globe. So, stay tuned to our upcoming episodes. We are on Apple, Spotify, Google, and also Stitcher. Subscribe to get notified when a new episode is out. Please leave us a review if you're on Apple. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. And thank you, Ashley, once again for doing this. It was great having you here. Yeah, you're so welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Bye. Bye.